it's not just like pr- it's not just like the praying in and of, I mean it is the praying in and of itself that I felt like lowered my stress level but it's also like the recognition of like in order to pray you have to put yourself in this mindset where you realize that like you're not the center of the world anymore and like even if you fail the whole world isn't going to fall apart Welcome to 242 a podcast of the Buffalo Vineyard Church where we discuss topics that are relevant to our lives as followers of King Jesus Today, I am talking with Zoe Shank about her participation in the JROTC program at her high school and just some of the lessons that she's learned there and at the school, some of the ways that she has learned to practice her faith in those settings and also the way those things have affected the way that she sees God. We also talk about some leadership lessons and other things that have shaped and formed her character as a part of the school. I hope you enjoy. So Zoe, we're talking about your JROTC program. Yep. So what is JROTC? So like technically the letters stand for Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps. So unlike ROTC that you would do in college, it's not as geared towards going into the military. It's not really like it's taught by uh, like retired army guys, or at least ours is because it's an army program and it's like you learn a lot about like the history of the army and stuff like that as you go through. But most of what it is, is like a leadership development program. Okay. And this is where at? Hutch Tech, the high school that I go to. So there's of the schools in Buffalo that aren't charter schools. The only other ones that have a JRGC program is McKinley and South Park. So you, how many hours a week do you give to the JROTC program? That's like a lot. I don't even know how I go about calculating that. <laughs> like, so, like two? So I get up. Ten? I get, 20? I get to school at like 6.45, sometimes earlier. And that's when like I am in JRTC every morning until like 7.50, 7.55 when the bell rings, go to home, homeroom throughout the day. I pop so, in with like study halls. After school, I stay until like four thirty, five o'clock. And then if there's like something else going on, like an event, then I go for that too. So it's maybe like three hours a day Mm. and then other events on top of that. And then however much work, like I usually go home and there's like, like you have to like write MOIs coming up with like, you know, just like work. So it sounds like you're putting in at least 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yep. And this is on top of your school Mm -hmm. and your homework. And jujitsu. And jujitsu putting up with your annoying father. <laughs> so you're putting a lot of time and energy into it. Yeah, definitely. Why? Uh, so I think that the program was really meaningful for me. And it's like, it's not just that it like has taught me a lot. Like when I was younger, like it's still teaching me a lot about leadership. Um, I definitely, I would, I'm happy to say that I'm at least proud of the person that I am right now. <laughs> you know, like I'm content with who I am. And I think like a lot of that, at least part of that is due to, to JRTC and then also like the legacy, like leaving like a good program behind so that other people can have the experience that I did. So I do, we were, we were going to talk about leadership through JRTC and some of the lessons you learned, but I still want to like dig into a little bit more of just kind of what your experience is like. So how many, how many students are a part of JRTC? So right now the number is around 140. Okay. And then what do you guys actually do? Like when you do JROTC, what are you actually doing? So freshman year, you 
have an actual class in your schedule. Um, and then, so in the class, there's like a set curriculum of what, so each grade level, there's a set curriculum of what you need to learn. Um, and then, so there's your class that you take. And then outside of that, there's like different teams that you can be a part of. So special teams, there's drill, which is um, like marching. So there's like different movements. There's stationary, non-stationary. Sometimes you use um, like rifles. They're like dummy rifles, but like that kind of stuff. Um, then there's color guard, which is kind of like an offset of drill where you use rifles and flags. Uh, there's the Raiders team, which is like the athletic team. There's the academic team. So like basically you memorize JRGC curriculum and compete with other schools to see who knows the most. And then like any other like special events that we do. So like volunteering or like, you know, like we've got projects that we work on and so you can come after school and do those. So freshman year, it's mostly like whatever else you can get involved in, but like you're not really going to be handed like being in charge of anything sophomore year the sophomores we just started that this year they're in charge of the service learning project so service learning is basically community service tied to the curriculum so okay. it's about like learning and community service um so they were in charge of the projects and then your junior year you usually get a staff position if you're responsible enough so you're actually so it's a, it's that's the other thing that's really important about jrtc it's a cadet run program so like you know down to like managing all the storage rooms for all our stuff that's there's a cadet who's in charge of that um taking pictures by cadet, you mean a high school student yeah a high school student taking pictures and publishing a weekly newsletter and like updating social media there's a cadet who's in charge of that um keeping track of the records on everyone who's been promoted or given an award or um you know that kind of stuff there's a cadet who's in charge of that all of the events that we do like what happened who went to them attendance there's a cadet in charge like you get what i'm saying so um junior year is when those kinds of positions get handed out and then senior year the senior cadets are the ones who are handed it's staff positions as well but like top staff positions so yeah. battalion commander so they're like leading yeah. students who are leading other students exactly so it's kind of like and like so for the most part, like the seniors are in charge of the juniors who are in charge of the sophomores and freshmen. It's not really like there's someone in charge of them because they're not really taking a leadership role yet. Some of them do to a certain degree, but yeah. Well, so then you said it's a cadet run program. Yeah. Who's the cadet that's in charge of the whole program? <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> so your, your title is? Battalion commander. So you oversee the operation of um, a program with 150 people in it. Uh, not quite 150. It's like 100, almost 140. So. Okay, but you oversee you oversee that program. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it takes you 20 hours a week to run that. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. It's amazing. Is it? Yeah. What's amazing about it? I think. So it's just like getting to see how many people, honestly, it's getting to see how many people that like the stuff that I do has a direct impact on. So like, even just like with events where, so we have, it's called a dining out. Basically we go down to, um, classics five, the like banquet hall. And it's like our, like right before Christmas break, we have like dancing and we do like a knockout drill competition and everyone eats together and you bring your families and just like getting to see like how happy that makes everyone you and, know and you were in charge of the team that made that happen yeah oh boy that so this is the thing that i've learned with like pulling off big events is it always feels like you failed <laughs> always it feels okay. like a complete disaster but like 
that's just the behind the scenes. And when you ask like all the like freshmen and sophomores who went to it, they're like, oh my gosh, it was so much fun. It was great. And you're like, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Cause <laughs> I was like panicking, trying to put out fires the whole time. Huh. So you're in, in one sense, it's fair to say you're in charge, but also you, you have people above you. Oh right? yeah. So that's like the way, so I've got two, um, they're retired army guys. So Colonel Abramowitz, and then um, First Sergeant Frazier. And they're my teachers who I, like, they're the ones who, like, they run the program. So so they are in charge of me and I have to, like, run everything by them just to make sure that, like, we don't do anything stupid, basically. And I think, though, I've really appreciated that they're a lot more hands-off than I've seen in some of the other programs. So, mm. like, I've gotten to see, like, some of the, yeah, some of the, like, leadership styles of the army instructors at other programs and like some of the cadets who are in charge at other programs. And I would say like our program first sergeant, especially cause he was the one who was there until this, like Colonel just started this year. Um, like does a really good job at like being really hands off and just like, n- like it's, it's a genuinely cadet ran program, which isn't always the case. So. Yeah. And, and I already asked you this question, but I, I want to ask it again. So you're giving a lot of time to this which means you value it. You said that. And I asked you why, is there more that you would add to just why you value this? Um, so I think what I said was like, it's rewarding because other people get a lot out of it. And then, yeah, like I got a lot out of it. What are some of the things that you have received from your time in JROTC? So I feel like the leadership aspect of it is like a pretty obvious, like what I got out of it. And I feel like, but like I, so there's a lot of other things that they give to you. I think most of it is supposed to be so that you can be a better leader, but it's definitely stuff that like you can take and apply to like your own life outside of leadership. So um, like decision-making, time management, like goal setting, things like that. So what's, so pick one of those time management, goal setting or decision-making and what's something, what's something you learned in one of those areas that has really shaped you? So... Okay. So here's a good one. So decision-making, it's like a, an exercise you do freshman year. So they give you like, first sergeant gives you like this, it's, it's like this impossible choice between it's like a, there's like a train coming or something like it's going to kill people. You have to like choose like whether or not to do you kill, do you kill your child and it's only one person or do you let the train kill a thousand people? Yeah. I don't remember. Like it was something like that. But (laughs) then basically like he told everyone to like, stand up if you would do this and like stand up if you would do that right and then there was like of course as always like the group of people that like didn't stand up for either and he was just like you know you think you didn't make a decision but not making a decision was also a decision and like in reality like so just that like sometimes there are decisions that need to be made fast and on the spot and like you have to actually be able to like you can't just like not do anything because that's also like you think you didn't make a decision but like you did did. and sometimes like, so like if that's a conscious thing, like if the, if it's a conscious, like, I'm just going to let this play out, like it, that's, that is the decision. But then also sometimes it's not a decision at all. It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And like, you just kind of like let stuff happen accidental, like you didn't mean to. And like, you need to be careful to like curb that and not let that. Is happen. there an example you can think of, of how you've learned from that and applied it in a real world situation? Uh... <laughs> It's okay if you, I'm, I'm asking I can't, you to think I can't spot. pull stuff, like, I can't pull one off the top of my head. No, you can't think of anything? Uh, do you want to, 
Oh gosh, I I can't think of okay. anything. Is there is there a situation that you can think of in the last few years where something that you learned in JROTC affected the way that you did something for the for the better for positive? Um. So I would say it's kind of hard because I always think of like all the stuff I've learned in JRTC, like applying it to stuff in JRTC. Um, no, that, that counts. Yeah. When I said real world, I didn't mean like, like not outside JRTC. Of the okay. I just meant like not in a classroom setting. Okay. Um, yeah. So, oh gosh, this is one that I like tell a lot of the freshmen coming in about because they they go through like a it's kind of like anger management conflict resolution like that's one of the things they learn of in their curriculum and so we for JRTC it's JCLC the JRTC cadet leadership course it's basically like a boot camp in the summer for high school kids but we went and you have this uniform that you have to wear and part of it is a cover like a hat and um one of the girls hers didn't fit so I gave her mine and then she switched it again with another girl. So like it's all mixed up. And basically the point was I had an extra one and I gave it to her because if she showed up without her cover on, we would all have to do push-ups. and I didn't really want to do push-ups. but I also didn't really like trust her that much with my hat. I just didn't want to do pushups. <laughs> so I gave it to her and like at some point, basically like we're, we're getting, we're packing our stuff up. We're leaving. I'm asking for it back because I have to turn all my stuff back into the program and she wouldn't give it to me because the one that because she had switched it and hers was still being kept by like another girl who was like known for being really confrontational and like not very nice you know um not just to like the cadets but also like the cadre and like the ROTC cadets who are helping out so I was like great now I have to go like deal with her and figure out a way to like get my stuff back like I'd avoided like talking to her this whole time just because I didn't want to like get in the middle of something and so she said that she had cleaned a room and that she couldn't find it and like the other the other girl is like now like starting to like you know, get confrontational with her. So I'm like trying to like keep them apart and just being like, okay, you know, like, like thinking like back to like conflict resolution stuff. Okay. Like keep the two people like apart. Don't let them like fight with each other. And then like be very like polite, respectful, like trying to make sure that, um, like, having like basically like having conversation about it, not putting her on the defensive and just like approaching it. Like, how can I help you? You know? Mm. Um, and so, asking her like, well, what if I like helped you clean and like helped you look through your bag? And she was like, yeah, okay. Like that's fine. So like we go through her, her rucksack and sure enough, what's sitting in the bottom of her ruck is the cover. And so we were able to like get everything situated and figured out. And I think that like, so like part of that, I feel like was common sense to me, but also part of it was just from like, like not even just like what we had learned in the classroom about like thinking about how, like, you know, how to tackle conflict resolution stuff, but also like experiencing it in JRTC too yeah. and like experiencing it in high school. And yeah. like, as you go on, like everyone, people get into fights. I don't know why it's stupid, but they do it. <laughs> I've never seen you get in a fight with anybody, <laughs> especially not anybody that you live with. That would be stupid. I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a cool story. So, um, because again, like you, you were describing like in the middle of conflict, thinking back to your training. Yeah. That's super cool. Are there any other things, um, 
that you feel like JROTC has given you, whether it's like things in your character or lessons that you learned? So I think, um, so I'd say the top like two leadership lessons that I've like struggled with basically through like completely and miserably failing at them. Okay. I just, I have to interrupt at this point, right? This is all, this is like my proud father moment. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. No, but okay. So you are how old? 17. Right. And you're about to give me your leadership lessons. That's pretty crazy. I don't know if you understand how crazy it is, but I think I was probably, you know, realistically 30 before I had leadership <laughs> lessons. <laughs> well, you should have done JRTC and then yeah, you have right? gotten them all when you were 17. Yeah. Um, so tell me, tell me your leadership lessons. So I think we've talked a little bit about the first one like a year or two ago. Um, so in JRTC, there's like when it comes to leadership styles, there's three main styles. So there's directing, which is basically I'm the boss, I'm in charge, like... I'm making the executive decision kind of a thing. So then there's participating, which is, yeah, I'm the boss. And like, ultimately I get to make, like I have final say, but I want like the input of my subordinates and like the people who I'm leading on my team. And then there's delegating, which is, I have this thing that I'm in charge of, but I'm actually going to give it to, you know, you and you're going to be in charge of it. And you're going to have ultimate say over this. And like, I'm entrusting this to you. And so one of the things that I think took me a while to figure out, which was actually something that like they teach you in the curriculum, but like, you know, I had to work through it, like what that meant in like real life was, um, so it's called like willingness and readiness or like mm. instead of willingness, like motivation kind of a thing. So like readiness has to do with like someone's skill set, like are they actually capable and competent and then ready or willingness has to do with like like are they motivated enough to do it like are they actually like if you give this to them will yeah. they actually do it and so the idea is that like if you have someone who has low readiness and low willingness like they're not competent they don't know what they're doing and they don't even want to do it then you have to use um directing if you have hmm. someone who is like maybe they have one or the other, you know, then you can use participating, right? Mm. Because the goal is to, to develop them till they get to the point where they have more motivation or to develop them to the point where they have like a, a higher skill set and can handle this on their own. And then when you have someone who's like, yeah, I'm motivated, like they want to do it and they know how to do it and you can just trust them. Like that's when you can use delegating and just give it to them and like let them have it on their own. And I think, so I did, um, I just got to say that that's an incredibly helpful framework for thinking about all of that. That was super cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say was, oh yeah. So, um, leukemia lymphoma society. So, <laughs> um, my freshman year this is a miserable episode. I mean, I learned so much through like failing so hard, but so I signed up to fundraise for mm -hmm. the leukemia lymphoma society. And I think, like that thing, like it scared me from delegating. Like, like I was just like horrified yeah. at the idea of giving everyone responsibility because I had like set myself up for failure in picking people who were like, like maybe sure they had the skill set, but like they were super busy. And so like there, and also like this wasn't really a cause that they felt any kind of like passion about. And so like they weren't motivated to do the things that I was asking them to do. So I would like give someone a task and like, maybe they would say like, okay, yeah, sure I can do it. And then they just wouldn't. Or like I was like working with high school students where it's like, they had all this kind of like, you know, they were raring to go, but like they had absolute, like, just like I did, they had no idea what they were doing. And so yeah. I kind of had to like, so basically I like did really badly at that. And then a couple of years later I realized, okay, Oh, that's wait, wait, why. Wait. 
just let's clarify. How much money did you raise? Uh, like $5,000. So you raised $5,000 to help research a cure to leukemia and lymphoma. Uh, blood cancer. Yeah. Right. So that's not exactly failure. Okay. I know that what you, you what was your goal? Like 50,000 or something? Uh, 20,000. Right. So you didn't reach your goal, which I understand in that sense is failure, but also you raised $5,000 for a pretty noble cause mm-hmm. and you learned quite a bit. Yeah. Yep. All right. Keep talking. Okay. So I'm just not going to let you claim. I know. That I know. I know. You can't do that. Your pride as a father is at stake. That's right. Um, your failure is my failure. I can't have that. (laughs) So, oh, the second thing. So this is something that I realized more this year as I, as I was battalion, like, you know, being battalion commander. Um, it's like the relationship between leadership and friendship. So Mm, I feel like, cause there's a line where it's like, so first of all, when you're the leader, right, you're in charge and you have the ability to tell someone else what to do in a relationship, like a friendship, that's not okay. Like you don't, like it's mutual. There's like a partnership there. And so also like, so like if someone is your friend and you go to tell them what to do, like there's like, there's like this, it's almost like they don't understand that, like they don't, they don't get that yet. And so I think also part of the difficult thing was, so like there were, like there were some of the juniors where like this year I kind of was more friendly towards them than I needed to be. Like people in my staff but then also like there are people where like I was friends with them since freshman year and then just in this last year like I was put in a position like of power over them right and so just yeah so I feel like I definitely erred on the side of like being a little too graceful and being a little too friendly and I should have been more strict to like just to like let them understand. I don't think they think I'm a pushover. Like I think they know that I'm not going to just like let them have their way all the time. But I do feel like there is this expectation of like, you know, oh, Zoe gave me a deadline or oh, Zoe told me I had to like get this done. And like, you know, if I like maybe like don't do like maybe I I put in like 70% effort or maybe I don't get it done on time. Like she won't like get too mad at me about it. And I feel like I should have done better at like like, no, I am your friend, but like, you actually also have to like, it's, it's not like anyone would ever like outright, like not do what I told them to do. But I feel like, like there, there could be a little bit more of an attitude of like, yeah. like when I say to do something, like get it done, you know? Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's a really, really hard thing to get right. That balancing friendship and leadership. Yeah. And I think anybody who's ever led has struggled with that tension. Um, like mo- most leaders either find friendship outside of the organization that they lead in, or they get lucky and have like maybe one good friend inside the organization that they lead. And it's just like, it's just a special friendship that's able to navigate that tension or they don't have friends. Yeah. Like those really are where most leaders are at. <clears throat> Yes. So I, yeah, I think, I think looking forward, I don't think that this is like something that I've like learned just how to handle yet. Like, I feel like this is something that I'll still like, well, you're talking about like, this is something that people still struggle with. So I definitely think that it's going to be more of an issue, but I feel like, so I feel like it'll help. So I don't know what kind of leadership positions I'll like, I'll get myself into moving forward. But I feel like it will be a little bit different in that I probably won't like have built a friendship with the person because I'm like 
you know, like going off to college in a place where I don't know anyone, like, you know, so it won't be like pre-existing friendships that turn into, I mean, maybe it will happen again, but like, I feel like that one was like a little bit more challenging was like the, 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 and also like they're your fellow seniors too. So like, like, I feel like there's like an understanding more when like a senior cadet tells a junior cadet to do something than there is when like a senior cadet tells a fellow senior cadet to do something in that like, you know, like I, cause like sometimes also like, yeah, I guess like, yeah, I guess that's just the, the gist of it. That's the gist of it. So in your role as a leader, and I don't just mean this year as battalion commander, but you've, you've led, you know, you've been, you've been in positions of leadership probably since your sophomore year, right? Mm-hmm. What is, um, one thing that you've done that you're really proud of and what's one thing that you've done that you would say was a total failure? Okay. Um, one thing I've done that was a total failure. You're going to start there. (laughs) Do you want me to start? Whatever. Um, okay. I think communication. So like I've had conversations with you about this too, just having like like clear expectations around communication was something that like I didn't even like realize would need to be a thing and like going through like you just thought everybody would communicate the way you did yeah I I was just like come on guys (laughs) like you answer your like you check your email every night like you, you get on your texts like like I'm not even like and you know this about me I have I have Facebook and that is it as far as social media goes. Like I am not like the person who's like scrolls through my phones and like has like right. snap streaks and none of that. Right. But still like, I feel like this obligation to like answer like, or at least check my, like I might not like answer you like day of, but I will at least like know that you emailed me. So it, it was just like astounding to me that like people would let stuff sit in their inbox for like weeks and like not, and like I had to like go to them to their face and be like, you know, like I emailed this to you and you like didn't do anything. Um, and so, but like, yeah, so realizing that, and then also I feel like there's this added layer of difficulty for kids in my generation. Cause there's people where it's like, yeah, like my primary, like my primary way of communicating with people is through Instagram, someone else it's like snap. And then like, there's like this weird stuff with, um, like Apple devices and Android devices where like it, so you can have group chats with them, but like sometimes like weird stuff happens, you know what I'm saying? And then, um, so yeah, so there's all these different like platforms. So there was one thing that we figured out that worked and we used it for our drill team and our Raiders team and our academic team. It's called remind. So it's an app that you download and then it connects to your email and to your text messages. So like if I were to send someone something on Remind, it would go to their email, it would go to their text and it would go to the actual Remind app. Gotcha. So it kind of like communicates with them all all three ways. But I think more importantly was just like outlining expectations. You know, like if we sat down with a staff meeting said, hey, you have to answer, you know, like you have to at least check your email every day and answer the urgent ones. And then you have like two days, you know, 48 hours to get back to whatever emails you find in there. And then um, I guess actually this is another thing in the JRTC um, curriculum about communication. So it talks about, um, so 
they say that communication hasn't happened or like the message hasn't been sent until the receiver confirms that they have the message, right? So you can't just send it to, so there's a sender. You can't just send the message to the receiver and say, okay, great. My job's done. I sent it. You have to wait until the receiver says I received and I understand. And then you can be like, okay, my job's done. And so like if we had outlined like every email that gets sent, even if you, you're not obligated to respond with something, just say thanks or like received. And then like, then, then we're good to go. But like when you send an email out with a question in it, and like two people answer it and you sent it to like 15 people, like that's an issue, yeah. you know? And just to clarify what I heard you say is you feel like there was a failure on your part to really establish some clear lines of communication yeah. and expectations around communication. Yep. Yeah. What's something that you would call a success as a leader? Um... So I think, yeah, the, the number one thing that I was actually really proud of this year was weekly staff meetings. Okay. So in the why, past, why were you proud of them? So in the past, um, staff meetings were kind of like, like whenever, so it was, it was usually like once a month or maybe once every other week. And like, they weren't, they weren't like, there wasn't like a set like day that was like the staff meeting day, you know? And I feel like like in past years that kind of led to confusion as to like what was even going on and like keeping everyone on the same page. And so I feel like, so we set it up. So it was Friday mornings. And so weekly, yeah, weekly. So every Friday morning, you know, all the staff are expected to show up. And I mean, there's definitely been some issues getting everyone there. I did. So, um, and I feel like, so like some of them are more, like some of them are more um, like strict than others. Like there's somewhere it's like, there's a lot to get to. And so like you have to make an agenda and send that out ahead of time and like make sure that everyone knows that like you need them there. Um, and then there's some that are a little bit more like, like just like checking in and going over stuff. So like there's stuff that we do every week. Like, um, so every week on Friday, we go over the events that are going to happen next week and like send them out, like run them by for Sergeant and Colonel that day. And then like Friday night, Anusha sends them out to the um, upper class cadets and they distribute it to the lower class cadets. Mm. So, and again, you felt like that was a success because your goal was to get everybody on the same page Yeah, and you did that. Yes. So I feel like it also like, it's more helpful for me because So like when we're coming, like it also helps just like coming up with stuff. So like that was actually Mm. one of the things that I was astounded by is like the, the really, really good ideas that came out of some of those meetings, you know, like from Mm. like cadets that you wouldn't really expect to have experience, like to have experience or like know like this kind of stuff. And just like, so like when you're coming up with stuff, like opening up the floor to like other people to put input on it. And then also like. You learned how to brainstorm with a group of people. Yeah. And, but also like it's easier to have, so like for, so each of the staff positions has a role and like for almost everything that like we pull off, like each one of them has to do something. So like the S3 has to write the event and put it into the, our unit management systems. And then, um, like the S5, if it's an event, like she has to go and take pictures and put it in the newsletter. So like everyone has a responsibility. So if they're there when we're talking about it, then it's not like I send them an email and tell them to do it afterwards because they weren't at the meeting, right? And like, then there's like a chance that they don't get it or like they don't get in time. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's easier also if they're just like involved in the process. Yeah, no, that's cool. Hmm. So How would you say that your faith has informed 
your um, your role at JROTC and how has JROTC shaped your faith? So I feel like, so definitely like this. So this is something I know you know this about me that I've been struggling with since like the day I was born is like the concept of grace, right? Sure, yeah. And so I feel like, the idea that like, and I feel like that was also like one of the things like I told you about that I was struggling with, with like leadership and friendship is like, like how much grace do I give this person as my friend? How much grace do I give this person as someone who's like part of a team that I'm in charge of? Um, but also that like, I like recognizing that I can't just like the answer is not zero. You know what I'm saying? Like the answer is mm. never like, no, you're not deserving of like a second <laughs> chance. <laughs> Are, are you saying that God loves people and I'm you say, ought to I'm as well? I'm saying that God's love, God's loves, blah, blah, blah. God loves people and I should, I should try and do that sometimes. So yeah. What, yeah. What, so, so, well, yeah, talk more about that. I mean, how, like, are there things that you feel like your, like your faith in God or that like things you learned from Jesus have shaped the way that you try and engage in JROTC? So yeah, I would say, so grace is like the number one, gotcha. I would say. So I think... And that's something that you yeah. would say, yeah, like this is something that I see in God's heart that I know I'm supposed to actually emulate. Yeah. And I think mm. also like, I guess like the idea of mentorship too, right? So like a lot of these cadets that... So, I mean, the seniors not so much, but like juniors and sophomores, like the idea is that if I've done a good job as a leader, like... I can leave the program and it doesn't all fall apart, right? Like I'm yeah. equipping them so that they can fill my shoes and fill the shoes of the other seniors next year. And it's not just like, so especially because, so last year it was completely virtual for school and yeah. we did probably like one third of the events that we've done in the past years. And of those events, almost all of them were virtual, which means that the MOIs like. What's an MOI? Uh, so it's a memorandum of instruction. Basically, yeah, I should I should explain it. So basically, you're not allowed to use acronyms. I know. On this I'm podcast. sorry. It's really hard. You can ask anyone who does like anything with the military. Like it's really hard not to use the acronyms and like forget that people don't know what the heck you're talking about. Um, so basically, for every uh like project that right. you do, it's a plan. Yeah, it's a plan. Basically, so just and use the word plan. So, but it's like a little bit more specific than that. So, like the person who writes it, they have to write out like a summary of what's going to happen. Right. And then they have to write out like it's a detailed army plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. There's so people MOI. would be like offended by you saying that. <laughs> I aim to offend. I know you succeed too. <laughs> you, you succeed a lot. <laughs> uh, well, you have to have grace for me. You said so. But anyways, you're a Christian. I do. <laughs> I do. Don't I? Yeah. 70 times seven. Just more than zero. <laughs> Just more than zero. Okay. Um, I don't even remember where I was. I was talking about, oh, mentorship. Yeah. Yeah. And you would say that mentorship is something you've learned from Jesus? Yeah. How so? Um, well, cause that's like what he was like his whole mm. job was, I mean, so I think you can see like some of the leadership things more like, I feel like most of them you get through his relationship with the disciples. Cause like, those mm. were the people that like he mentored. Yeah. I like the most, I mean, it's kind of like the purpose of that was that they would be able to share stories so that like the, the lessons that you got 
that he shared with the disciples didn't just like end there and like that it went to other people and like how discipleship works that like those 12 went on to like foster more relationships with other people. But yeah, I guess just the, like the, just even just like the concept of like mentorship of like discipling someone and like how you go about like giving someone else like the information that you have in a way that like, like prepares them and equips them for like whatever else they have to do. Yeah. So. Oh, that's cool. And how would you say that JROTC has affected the way you see God? Um, and I mean, I don't know, maybe it hasn't. No. So I think it's been helpful. So like the, the idea of like, like it's easy to have faith when things are going great. Right. Mm. So like just as things, so especially as, so we had our JROTC process of accreditation this year. So every three years, the pr- the program gets evaluated. And my year was the year on top of like what I had just said about like, you know, I'm rebuilding the program after COVID. This is our first year with our new senior army instructor. I have like no idea what I'm doing. And I, they're like, oh yeah. And by the way, like in April, you're going to be evaluated. And if you <laughs> fail, we have this, this honor unit with distinction. It's the star that we wear on a uniform and like take great pride in. Cause like we're one of the only programs McKinley just got their star back. But like for a while we were the only program in Buffalo with our star. So I was like, you cannot be the person who is battalion commander of the year. You lost the star. So, but like, I've been like, you know, stressed out about this thing since August, like, and just that like, as stuff like ebbed and flowed. So like, you know, the dining out is like a big thing that we threw off and like, you know, approaching that, just getting like super stressed, like people not pick, like having to pick up extra people's responsibilities, staying after school even later, which made it harder to get homework done, like having to skip out on jujitsu, which I notice a lot that like, whenever I miss out on like physical activity, like my mental, like, yeah. you know, like it, it's just draining that way. Um, and then again, like as we approached, we had this academic competition that we went to New Jersey and hosted. And like, I was actually in charge of that too. So like, you know, all these schools that are coming in and just trying to make sure like we're going to like, we're going out, like we're not going to be in Buffalo with like the ability to just like run to the JRTC room and grab whatever we missed. So like all that and like approaching the JPA too, like just a level of stress. And so that like, like trying to figure out how, like whenever I felt stressed and overwhelmed, like just recognizing that like I could pray. Mm. And so like, I, cause like I would, so it, I know like mom has this too, like stress keeping you up at night. And like, it's almost like, cause I know, so I have to wake up at 5am every morning in order to get to school on time for JRGC. And so knowing like, if I go to bed at midnight, I'm going to be working the next day on five hours of sleep, which means that I'm not going to be as productive during that day of school as I would like to be. And so like, just like being stressed out about knowing what I'm going to have to do. And then about the fact that I'm like staying up progressively later and getting less and less sleep. And just that like, it would like freak me out. And then I realized like, Oh, I can pray. And like, like literally that would put me to like, it, like my stress level after praying would like significantly decrease enough to where it's like, okay. And like, not all the time. Like there were like one or two days where like I would pray and my mind would still be all over the place. But like, it's not just like, it's not just like the praying in and I mean, it is the praying in and of itself that I felt like lowered my stress level, but it's also like the recognition of like, in order to pray, you have to put yourself in this mindset where you realize that like, you're not the center of the world anymore. And like, even if you fail the whole world isn't going to fall apart right so yeah. like like and like the, the fact that like yeah like i'm a sucky leader but there's an even better leader and he's the one who's in like in charge of everything and so i can just like take a break and like 
So this is something that you've taught me too, is the like thinking about the worst case scenario, <laughs> right? So like, okay, worst case scenario, we lose the star on our uniform. Does the world really end? No. Okay. Like that's okay. You know, it's, it's all going to be okay. And so I felt like that is also like been helpful, mm. but yeah. So yeah, like just testing my faith through like putting me in stressful situations and seeing if I can like go back to like, you know, go back to praying, go back to trusting in God. So yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. Anything else you feel like you ought to say about JROTC? I think it's amazing. I think that people like when they hear about it, they think like, oh, it's like military. It's going to like, like people think that like we're going to indoctrinate your kids to join the military. Literally like every year there's probably like two, maybe three people who graduate our JROTC program and have anything to do with the military. So it's not Mm -hmm. that like at all. And yeah, you know what we didn't, I didn't ask you who are the, like who are the kids that are in JROTC? What are they like? What are their backgrounds? Like who are the typical cadets? So it's actually interesting. Um, There is a really high population of Karen kids in JRTC. And I think part of that is, is that like the Karen community is like really close. Um, and so like there were just like a lot of like the Karen seniors do it. And so like they pass it on and like, so like, that's just, sorry, excuse me. That's just like, you know, there's a lot of, and then also like, I mean, there's also like a high Karen population at our school. Um, but even outside of that, I think that like, so like almost half like, um, yeah, about, no. So there's 300. So yeah, so like 300 freshmen come to Hutch Tech every year and usually a, like 100 of them end up joining JRGC. Mm-hmm. So it's like about a third of the school's population. So- a third of the freshman class. Yeah, of, sorry, a third of the freshman population. So not all of them stay. So usually like 20, like 20, 30 will- so usually 40 will stay in the program like their sophomore year, but then that actually turns into 20 once those 40 realize what getting to school at seven in the morning means. <laughs> right. So, um, okay. I was talking about who, who are the, people who are the, the people? Program. Yeah. So, but basically like as you, as you, um, as, as there's more responsibility, right. And as people have like higher level of expectations and like they have to, you know, work harder and get better at time management. Like there's always like a number of people who like just decide like that that's not what they want to do anymore and they drop out of the program. And so it kind of like whittles you down. And I like, that's not the only reason why people leave. Like some people leave because it's like, hey, I need a job to like help my family. And so I got to like, like I don't have time for the program or like sports. Like that's one of the issues that I've like noticed is that it's really hard for people to do sports and JRGC, especially once you get to like junior, senior year and you have more responsibility. Um, so, but outside of that, yeah, like usually like as you get closer and closer, like you end up with people who either like some of them, like, like got to be a leader, a stronger leader through the program. Like I, and, but some of them also just had like natural like leadership capabilities and like, that's what you end up with once you get to senior. There's, there's 10 of us. No, there's nine of us right now. Seniors. Seniors. Yeah. Yeah. So what's Hutch Tech like? Hutch Tech is the best high school in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> I I have literally... Uh, you don't have a vested interest in saying that, do no, you? No, I'm completely unbiased. <laughs> but so I would say the... So the number one thing is the diversity of the school, right? Mm. So Buffalo, especially like the west side where we live, is extremely diverse. And I feel like that's really well reflected in Hutch Tech. 
And what that does is it teaches people how to interact with people who aren't like them, right? Um, and it's not when just... When you say diverse, so you went to Tapestry before you went to Hutch Tech. Yeah. And you would say Hutch Tech is more diverse than Tapestry? Yeah. So I feel like the kids that went to Tapestry, you just had like white and black kids. Black as in like African-American, like... So yeah, Caucasian, African-American. And like, I think now there's like... Someone told me there's like one Asian kid who goes there and like, but like literally like that's it. Right. So, um, in Hutch tech, like you have like white kids, you have African-American kids, but you also have, so there's kids from like all over Africa. So like there's some Congolese kids. Um, and then there's also, um, I think, I think there's also some Ethiopian kids. Mm Um, and then there's kids from the middle East. So like I've got like classmates from Turkey. Um, I know there's a girl from Iran. I think there's also like a couple from Afghanistan. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else. Oh yeah. Uh, so Karen, which I already mentioned. So there, and then there are a couple like Burmese, well not Burmese. So like Chin, which Mm -hmm. is one of the people groups that lives in Burma, but isn't actually Burmese. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some Thai kids, um oh uh there's a lot of kids from um like puerto rican a lot of puerto rican kids i think there's a couple from the dr um oh, i'm trying to think like i'm like but yeah you yeah painted like a it's picture just like all over the place yeah pretty diverse yep yeah and what so that kind of diversity what does that do to the culture of the school i think so like what i said like it it definitely like teaches people how to interact with like someone who's, who's different than them. Um, I think it also like, I think this might just be, so I don't know if this is just me. Cause I like, okay. So one of the things that I appreciate also about Hutch tech is that it's a bigger school. There's like 1200 kids. Um, and so what that means is that you get to pick your circle of friends, right? Like, so who's your tribe? My tribe. Um, <laughs> Uh, I would say Jerry GC kids and then, um, probably like, it's like this weird kind of like, so national honor society, like academic, like in AP classes kind of, but not all of them. Like I'm, I also have like a group of friends from like, um, swim, if that makes any sense. So, and like Jerry GC, that's the interesting thing about Jerry GC though, is that like, it's like very, it's not, so like there's people who are in JRGC who are good at being leaders where, cause like there's this assumption that like if you're outgoing and good at leadership, then you're going to be in all the like AP classes and this, that, and the other thing. Like, it's not like that at all. Like there's kids there who like take one AP class. Some of them take none. Do you know what I'm saying? So like actually like, so like, I feel do like you my, take AP classes. Yes. But I feel like my most diverse like area of like people. What, ca- what kind of grades do you get? Oh boy. <laughs> Do you want another proud father moment? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm the valedictorian. I know you are. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, What's that like? It's weird. Because, yeah. like, I think, like, you, like, I looked at it as, like, such a big thing. And then now that I'm there, like, at that point, I'm just like, oh, like, it's, like, normal, you know? Well, but you also, your circle of friends have similar goals. I mean, yeah. I think who I think is your closest friend was the one who was chasing you for four years and almost beat you to be the valedictorian. Yep. So we actually, 
I don't know if I told you this. I think I told mom. So we made a pact freshman year because someone told us freshman year that the valedictorian and the salutatorian sit next to each other at um, Mm. graduation. And so we were like, all right, that's us. Like, we're going to be the top two. And then they have to sit us next to each other at graduation. Like, we don't have to. Because you guys did it. Yeah, we did it. 100%. (laughs) We pulled it off. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... No, I definitely feel like competition with her has been, and she's also in JRTC. She's my number two in JRTC as well. And so like, I feel like, but that's the thing though, is like, I I feel like it feels wrong to say that she's number two because she's like very much not in a lot of ways, you know? Um, And just, yeah, like, yeah, competition with her is probably like one of the best parts of, of high school. I've known her since freshman year. She's probably she is the closest person that I have probably as like a friend right now. So that's really cool. Well, so are there other things about Hutch tech? I mean, how would you compare the things that you've seen going on in the culture at Hutch tech to like what tapestry was like? So I think there's like a lot of maturity that's just like, because you're in high school. Um, but one of the things that I was going to say about it being a bigger school and being able to like, cause that's like the biggest difference I felt like I noticed from Hutch tech to tapestry or from tapestry to Hutch tech. Sorry, excuse me. Um, was that, uh, tapestry, there was like 80 kids in my grade, eighth grade year. I think like fifth grade, I started with 60, but like progressively got more 80. So like you knew everyone and everyone knew who you were. And so like, especially in high school where like, like you're growing and you're learning about who you are and like the people that you hang out with have such a big influence over that. I mean, some people are more like influenceable than others, you know, but that like, like having the ability to pick who that is, like to pick who you like put yourself with and pick who is like motivating you and to like, like do whatever, like, so like the people that I hang out with are the kind that like motivate you to like do your schoolwork. And like, (laughs) like, I'm serious. Like if I had slacked, I mean, senioritis is definitely a thing but like if I had slacked like sophomore year junior year freshman year like Anusha would have kicked my butt do you know what I'm saying so like I like being friends with Anusha and like having this like pact to to be valedictorian and salutatorian like like I didn't really have a a choice not to like continue to like work hard on my grades so that's cool huh well so the question I asked about faith and JROTC I'll ask the same question about your school how has your faith impacted the way that you carry yourself at Hutch Tech? So I think like when you go, so I feel like going to school, especially in like elementary and middle school and like seeing, so I know mom told me this. I actually forgot about this, but like when I was like 10 or whatever, I came to you guys and I was like, I don't believe in God. Like it doesn't make sense to me. And just like, cause like questioning it. Right. And just being like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't buy it. So even earlier than that, we were probably, you, you were, I'm trying to think how old you were when mom went back to work, but like five or six, you yeah. were, you were young <clears throat> and, um, it was like a Christmas day or some, some holiday and mom had to work cause she was like one of the, the, the nurses with low seniority. So they got, they, they still get stuck working the holidays and, um, so you were like, why does mom have to work? And I'm like, well, like there are sick people and like she has to take care of them, even though it's Christmas, like they're sick. Yeah. And you went, 
why does God allow bad things to happen? It's <laughs> like you immediately launched into this like deep theological, like, I don't understand if there's a good God who's all powerful. Why do bad things happen? Like you're, you're not allowed to ask me that question until you're 15, <laughs> five year old. So no, you've, you've always been somebody who has, yeah, I could tell other stories about how quickly you picked up on things. I didn't want to pick up on. That's for a different podcast, but yeah. So, Yes, you've done that. And yeah, there was a period where you were, I think, wrestling with faith and with a belief in God, in Christ, that really stemmed from like uh, intellectual places. Like this this needs to make sense to me if I'm going to believe it. And I think part of what it was too was like, so like, and not that it's wrong and that they shouldn't teach this, but the like like the way history teachers, like when we learn about um, like Greek mythology and all this stuff that like people like see things that they don't have an explanation for through science. And so they turn to religion and just like me thinking through like, will I do that? And like, even like, is it wrong to do that? Like when you don't have an explanation for something to like turn to science and or to turn to religion. Um, And so just like being like, well, you know, like, like, am I wrong? Like in my understanding of the world and like, cause like, I kind of want to like, understand things a little bit you know so um yeah so but I feel like the issue was for me it wasn't really an issue it was just like in elementary and middle school like like there were other people in school who had religion like a couple of them but like it wasn't as transparent and so it felt very like oh like I'm the only one like this and like when you think and it's kind of like the like groupthink thing, you know? And like, that's like something that like is like a survival instinct. Cause like genuine, like, like you want usually for survival, you want to be doing what everyone else is doing. Right. But like, that's not, I mean, obviously that's not always the case, but just like, would you describe yourself as a conformist? No, not exactly. <laughs> but, um, uh yeah so like seeing like i'm doing this thing that like it looks like no one else is doing like am i doing something wrong you know like or like am i like do i actually understand like what's going on and then like going to hutch tech and like they're like they're not all christian like you know um the friend that we've been talking about salutatorian she's hindu a lot of the like kids from the middle east are muslim um you know so uh, I, there are actually a couple Jewish kids, but like, so just like seeing like other people also having religion, even if it wasn't the same religion as me, like kind of like made it more like, okay, like, and like, I mean, there are like differences and I'm still like wrestling with, with like, you know, what all do I believe about other religions? And, but just the fact that like, I wasn't the only one who had like religious beliefs. And I think, so this is something that I've noticed that is kind of like, like strange in the way that people approach like um like tolerance of other religions so i felt like one of the things that i appreciated about hutch tech was that like at least like with one-on-one relationships with some of the other kids who are also religious and like even the kids who weren't religious like i've got a really close friend who's atheist doesn't believe anything she's super she's funny her and i like we have very different like groups of like people that we hang out with and like she's one of those people you know where it's like I know you and I hang out with you but I know that if I like told my friend or told the people that you hang out with like some of the ideas that I have they would think that I'm like a crazy person you know or like even when you have friends like that where like you know that like like this friend and that friend like if they were ever to like sit in a room and like talk about like the theology and the like the things that they believe like they would like 
be like, what the heck is wrong with you, Zoe? Why are you friends with that crazy person? But like, even like her, like as an atheist is like very like respectful of like, like we're able to have conversations about that. Do you know what I'm saying? And so like the fact that to me, like tolerance isn't like we tiptoe around it or like we like, you know, ignore the fact that some people have a different religion than we do, or even just like, like the way that some people do it, where like, like the goal is to just like make it affiliated to no religions or make it affiliated to like all of the religions possible. Right. (laughs) It's just like, just let like, like whatever event or whatever, just let it be what it is. Right. And then just like leave it open to like a respectful, like dialogue and conversation. And like, that's something that I've like really appreciated about. I mean, it's not always like that with administration at tech, but I feel like that's, that's the students are, but yeah, this, that's the Mm. way that the students are. It's just like, they can have conversations. How does that affect the way you see God? Um, in what way? Mm Hmm. How does the fact, how does that affect the practice of your, you know, as somebody who's trying to follow Jesus with your life, how does that, how does it shape it? I guess. I think what it, I guess what, what it is, is just that, that it like, it doesn't make me feel as out of place for mm. like believing in a higher power and believing in God. Um, and it, it also like, I don't know, it, it's kind, it's just like reassuring, I guess, that like it's okay to like turn to faith for certain things. Yeah. Or for all things, I guess, right? You got to answer that one, kid. <laughs> yes, to all to turn to faith in all things. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're three or at days least to away try from to to try to turn to faith in all things. Yeah. Hmm. What else should we talk about? You're the one who's supposed to ask me the questions. Well, we can be done. Are we done? I don't know. Anything, anything, I don't know. Is there a story you feel like you should tell either about your school or about JROTC or about what it means to, to try to be a Christian in any of those things? So I think um, one of the other things that like with being a Christian is like the willingness to like share your faith. Mm -hmm. So I think, which was another thing that I appreciated about like some of the seeing the way that some of the other like religious kids act interacted at school, like especially like, like some of the Muslim girls, like they wear a hijab and like that marks them as Muslim and like expresses their faith like very visually. And like, so, but just like, like learning that it's cause like, so like I've like just like having a conversation with like some of like the Muslim girls especially and like having them just like be very open about their faith or even just like like engaging in a conversation with you that you didn't necessarily start and like that it was never like uncomfortable or awkward. Mm. Um, and just that like like especially freshman year, I think, and sophomore year. So I started out in, we had girls group through church. And so like, that was like my group of friends that were like religious. It was, it wasn't really, I mean, it was a youth group, but it was like for only girls. Um, But yeah, just that like, those were like people who I knew also shared my faith and that like, I was able to like have conversations about the Bible and about God with them and pray with them. And that like, so that kind of, disintegrated (laughs) which was not fun but also like i 
and I, I definitely don't think I share like the level of what I shared in girls group with people at school, but it like opened me up to the fact that like I had to be willing to share my faith with the people that I engage with at school. And that like, that doesn't have to be awkward or weird. Like Mm. just like it wasn't awkward or weird when I had conversations around faith with people of different religions and the way like that they were willing to share their, their beliefs and just that, yeah, I feel like it made me more open. And I feel like, cause that's like what a Christian is supposed to be. Not that you're like supposed to be like, like, I mean, you can, if you want to, but like, you don't have to be like evangelizing everybody that like walks around the corner on the street or like, you know, Mm. but just that like, that like that someone who's known you for four years should know that like you believe in God. Yeah. Right. So. Oh, that's cool. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. Yep. Thank you. This mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. Yes. Was it fun? Yes, it was. Fun. It was. It was fun. All right, cool. Well, maybe we'll do this again. Cause I can imagine a few more topics that it would be fun to talk to you about. Cool. Cool. All right, kiddo. Bye. 242 is a podcast from Buffalo Vineyard Church in Buffalo, New York. Our mission is to teach people the way of King Jesus by regularly encountering God, training each other in the faith, and effectively serving our neighbors. This podcast is just one of the many ways we work to realize this. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or get in touch, visit us at buffalovineyard.org. Our theme music is Face to Face from Vineyard Worship. Thank you for listening.